Hello again, everyone, and welcome to the Scientific Coaching Podcast. I'm your host, Lucas Berry, joined by the one and the only Mr. Darren Shrewsbury Jr. And uh, Darren, before we get to the big game, and yes, we have to start calling it that now because the NFL is still anal about that for some reason. <laughs> I've yet to figure out why. Uh, they're anal about a lot of things, should be told, but this one particularly. Uh, we'll get to some coaching news around the NFL. So the, all the current, all the jobs that were open after the season are now closed. We have filled every position in the league. Mm-hmm. And that means that as of right now, unless something happens in the next, you know, however many, however long you think is reasonable to fire a head coach, Bill Belichick, Pete Carroll, and Mike Vrabel will not have a head coaching job next year in the NFL. We're both surprised at this. I want to know which one surprised you the most and how surprised are you overall that these three Proven winners are not in this league in the head coaching capacity next year. Uh, I mean, it's it's wild. It's wild to think about the, um, especially considering. And, and I don't mean to talk crap about any of the the people who are hired. I, this is it's obviously not the intent, but g- given the range of people that were hired for for all of these openings. Um, it it really just goes well. Then, like, what did you see in them over these proven candidates? Uh, the The one thing that I've seen thrown around about why Belichick didn't land a space, or two things that I saw that uh, suggested for why um, Belichick didn't land anything was either one, uh, well, he interviewed with a couple, of course, so this is kind of not as likely he none of them were to his standard or two he was asking for too much control and no one very few of them wanted to entertain that i think the only one that i saw that he had a second interview with was atlanta he might have had one other one that a second interview with one other that i don't recall but he didn't have a second interview with with many but i i know he i think it was just atlanta I know he interviewed with Atlanta and then had the second interview. Uh, so it, it must have just been he wanted – I mean that just seems to be the most likely case is that he just wanted too much control and no one wanted to give him that. Um, uh, Carol, I don't, I don't know if Carol actually did any interviews, but it also could have just been a simple matter of he – decided he would embrace his role his new role and see where that goes uh, some uh, the strongest part of me wants to say that that's bullshit because of how much he loves that job and how tore up he was about not being in that role uh, the head coaching role anymore uh, and well I mean Vrabel and what the hell <laughs> Just, it, it, it's confusing. Um, nevertheless, you know, we'll see how everyone else pans out, the new people, but wow. I, I, I take the same view, although I will add a, bit, a little bit about Pete Carroll. He's still under contract with the Seahawks. He has one year on his contract, and it kind of felt like, to me, yes, he wanted to coach, but it almost felt like the team was like, yeah, we don't want you coaching, but we kind of still want you hanging around, so we're not going to let you go anywhere. That's the kind of vibe I felt I got with that. I might be wrong. But that's that's I got that kind of feeling for it, which is kind of wrong. But at the same time, it, it, it just it, – I don't know. It's a very weird situation. I'm surprised that Vrabel didn't get anyone anywhere. I really, I really am. I, 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 I thought, I really thought that uh, that someone would take a chance on Mike Vrabel, and I was disappointed to see that they didn't. The only, the only things that I saw, the main thing being the main thing that they kept getting pointed out was that supposedly the one of the reasons why he was he he didn't. Uh, get kept at Tennessee was that the, well, of course we already established how little we believe the ownership knew what they were talking about, but 
the ownership apparently believe, didn't believe that he had the capability to develop young quarterbacks. And apparently they wanted to stay in the realm of, of Levis or somebody else in that, in that realm. And this is again, a shot in the dark, but maybe other teams believed that as well. And the ones who needed a new head coaching head coach and most of the ones that need a new head coach have young quarterbacks on the younger side. Right. That's, that's a reasonable point. I mean, it's, I don't necessarily agree with it, but it's a reasonable point. Yeah. So I have no idea how much I believe that that's actually the case, but it's the, about the only thing I've seen thrown around that stands any potential that stands to hold any potential uh, logic to it. I will, in regards to Bill, I get it. I do. But I've said the same thing all along. If Bill Belichick wants something, he gets it. Or at least he should. Because compared to anyone, every single person in this league, he is more successful than any of you. He's more successful than the golden boy Tom Brady. He has more Super Bowls than Brady does. He has eight. Brady has seven. If Bill Belichick, the most successful football coach in the NFL's history, says, I want something, I want control, I want this, you give it to him. The only reason, the actual only legitimate reason that you wouldn't hire Belichick is if you want a coach for like a 10-year project. And even then, I, I understand that. But if you're looking, like you think you got a chance to win now, go get Bill. Falcons had their chance. I don't know what they saw in Raheem Morris. I don't know why they interviewed Belichick so so uh, so frequently, at least talked to him so frequently, and didn't go with him. But that's their loss. Mm-hmm. Yep, and with that, it is. With that, the last position filled was actually filled this morning, as we record this. Is Dan Quinn going to the Washington Commanders? leaving the Dallas Cowboys as uh, after being the defensive coordinator there for a while after being let go out by the Atlanta Falcons, starting the Falcons, uh, starting the Falcons journey towards needing a new head coach. So here's, here's my question. Is this a good move both for the team and for the person? Uh, it, it's very interesting. Um, He's. I mean, I don't particularly have any belief that he's uh, he's a bad option whatsoever. Um, but he, I don't know. It just it doesn't feel like an upgrade. To it, it feels at best a lateral shift, honestly. Um, the but the the good thing is that he he was able to improve Dallas's defense from under his, because obviously he's a defensive minded guy for sure. Um, I think, what was it? They had, they ended the season like the seventh ranked defense in, in points. Um, but they were still bottom effect. Well, well, they were still, uh, in the bottom half in terms of yards allowed, which again, we've established yards don't matter if you're not giving up points and clearly they weren't giving up that many points. Um, so he made improvements and they, he, as well as leading a, le- a group that forced the most turnovers in his, in the three year span of him being the coordinator, his groups have forced the most turnovers um, and created the most turnovers and 93 of them. So, that's something that 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 right there actually is a potential improvement. Is that that defense could we, we they want to see that shift uh, because Washington was near near the bottom of the barrel in in takeaways on defense, and of course uh, I think they were probably top of the bottom half there in terms of points and such, because they, they were stout in certain points, but they were still iffy. It was most of the offense we had to worry about. 
but I don't know. Uh, I, I don't know what what's to be said about the offensive point, but I would hope at the very least for them that this leads to defensive improvement. I would hope. Well, I, well, I, 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 I agree with you. But here's the thing that I, I was thinking about, and this was my initial reaction, is the Cowboys could have fired Mike McCarthy and no one would have batted an eye mm-hmm. after that loss the, to the Packers. And I'm thinking, okay, everyone assumed McCarthy was gone and everyone was shocked he wasn't. In fact, if you ask me before I thought you probably, McCarthy himself probably tell you he was already packing his house up. But, if you're Jerry Jones, you had an, a candidate in Dan Quinn that like half the league was was reported to have won. And you you basically gave your head coach a one-year ultimatum. Like I, I really don't see what his thinking was when you already had Dan Quinn in house. Like I really don't understand why they kept McCarthy knowing that. Yeah, basically what I'm saying is they let Dan Quinn get away to yeah. a division rival, no less, when they could have cut the ties with McCarthy. Because here's the thing. There's no evidence to suggest McCarthy's going to change anything. They're going to go 12-5. Yeah. and five, They're going to win the division, and they're going to be yeah. out in the wild card round of the playoffs, just like they are every damn year. And gun- their defense is likely to be worse off in the process because yeah. they let go or they let the most turnover <laughs> leading defensive coordinator in the last three years take another job and like you said so, to a division rival to a division rival they let him walk and they could have kept him in house and been fine I really don't know what the hell Jerry Jones is thinking I think the the important thing here is he's not yep that sounds I, about right I'm hard pressed to believe the man's not thought about a damn thing in the last decade of his life <laughs> He, he just kind of sits there, lets words come out of his mouth, and then goes, eh, it doesn't matter. I got, I got money. Who needs sanity? Who needs to know what they're saying? I got money. I own one of the mo- most storied franchises in the NFL. I own America's team. Uh, who cares what's, yeah. what I say? It, what comes out of my mouth? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, as long as, it's, uh, as long as it sounds like this schedule, that's all I care about. <laughs> That's all I care about is the way he says the word schedule. That's it. I got no use for Jerry Jones's mouth outside of that. <sighs> all right. Let's move to the games that were played last week. We have our big game matchup. Uh, Ravens and the Chiefs. Chiefs go in. They win the cold-ass game in Kansas City. They win a cold-ass game in Buffalo. And they win a mild-ass game. In Baltimore. But they also win, and I honestly thought they were screwed after Travis Kelsey threw uh, Justin Tucker's stuff in the pregame. I thought they were royally screwed at that point. Everything I I saw prior to that said, all right, Tucker's booting a 70 order to win the game. Doesn't matter. Calling it. Yeah. That's what (laughs) I was was thinking. I was like, he's going to, exactly, he's going to have a 70 order to win the game, and he's going to, like, that that, that was just what was going to happen. But it wasn't. The Ravens. For all intents and purposes, were stymied offensively. So I will ask you this: What the hell happened? And and before we answer, is this more about the Chiefs winning it or the Ravens blowing it? I I think this is just a true testament to Andy Reid and his genius. I really do. Um, he you have a team that honestly. Coming into this playoffs, I sit here and I thought the entire time they had no business even sniffing the playoffs with how poorly that offense had had been meshing. And it it just seemed like this was not a Chiefs team that deserves to have a shot at defending a Super Bowl title. And Andy Reid effectively wills this team into the playoffs, uh, into a, a... a decent seating in the playoffs, despite a league leading by a wide margin uh, in drops uh, by the receiving core. Um, And so the playoffs come around and all of a sudden this team is the team we know the chiefs to be. They will just 
punch you in the mouth and you have to say sorry for it. <laughs> um, yeah. The, the receivers are catching. Valdez Scantling washed his hands of all the butter. Uh, Kadarius Tony hasn't seen the field. Uh, so the 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 all of the moves that needed to be made for this team were put into place and executed damn near to perfection to get this team back to the Super Bowl. And if that doesn't if that doesn't prove why how much of a genius Andy Reid is, I I truly don't think you're paying attention. <laughs> Should. What's funny is that Canarius Tony hasn't seen the field since that play. Like they've kept him out for various reasons. What was it this time? Personal reasons? "Quote unquote personal reasons." Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Fine. He just he he he, he sucks. Um, <laughs> that's basically what you're saying. He's not allowed to actually say that. Yep. Uh, so here here's the question. And, and look, I I I hesitate to say it because they haven't won the game yet, but. They're they're going to their like what fourth big game in the past five six, years, yep. six years. Okay, yeah, four so and five he, and then yeah, but six AFC title games for them. That's what I was okay. thinking. Yeah, yep. the bottom line is they're dominant. Mm-hmm. They are they are a, they are basically half the Patriots. So here's the question, and and it's kind of a, a, a difficult one to answer, but it's one that I had heard presented earlier in the week, and I thought, that's a really good topic, so let's, let's dive, dive into it. The Patriots, we all know, was 20 years of sustained success. It was six titles. They made the AFC Championship game nine straight years. They, win, they were in the game 11 times. It, it, so this Chiefs dynasty, which, let's face it, it is a dynasty mm-hmm. already. Should it be viewed as a... Should it be viewed in, in as... Like better than it actually. Like, are we undervaluing this dynasty because of what the Patriots have done so recently in the NFL? Like, hey, we're only 2019 away from from the dynasty ending when the Titans came in and beat the Patriots in Gillette. Mm-hmm. Like, Brady's only been out of the league like one year. Like, I, I, are we undervaluing or underappreciating what the Chiefs have been able to do this last half a decade? I. I don't know if if there's a collective underappreciating, um, but I I'm sitting here at the point where I'm like, wow, I understand why y'all hated the Patriots. <laughs> like, I don't want the Chiefs to win the Super Bowl, right? Like, I'm at the point where like, yeah, I pre- I appreciate everything they're doing, and I don't want them to do it anymore. Stop, you know what I mean? Like, mm. uh, but. It's it's one of those things. They if they win this Super Bowl, they've won. They'll have won back to back. The first team to do it since uh, since New England, and they'll have won three in five years. Or yeah, losing my losing my track of of years here. It was fifty. Six, they no fifty. Yeah, fifty four. They won. No. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. I've lost track since then. I'll be honest. And then fifty seven. Yeah, fifty four and fifty seven. Because this is fifty eight. Because the Rams and the Bucks. Oh, the Bucks beat them in fifty six, and then then the Rams, and then the the then the Bengals beat them in the AFC Championship game, and then yeah, because it was okay. Yeah, the last Super Bowl titles were. Chiefs, Bucks, Rams, Chiefs. Chiefs. Um, so that would have been, so yeah, that would be uh, three and five years, which is damn near the three and four years that kicked off the Patriots dynasty, right? Um, and and but they've made four in five years because they're the ones that lost to the Bucks so, with with Brady beating them. So it, it's. To to say they are not a dynasty at this point, or have not established themselves as a potential dynasty, if they win this one, they're of course a dynasty, uh, a new dynasty, uh, would just be insane to say otherwise. 
it really is the the things that this team has been able to do and the success they've been they've managed to be able to sustain under the six years of of Patrick Mahomes and uh, uh, and many more of course under Andy Reid is just nothing short of insane and amazing like it, it's mind blowing to sit here and go all right they win a Super Bowl. You pay this guy a half a billion dollar contract. What in the hell? And then they make six straight AFC title games and four Super Bowls in the six years he's been the starter. This is the only example of a high dollar contract like this working out in the long term <laughs> in modern in the modern age where we have been debating why the hell we're paying people this much money. <laughs> yeah, you're, you're right about that. All right, let's move to the second game here. Second game, Lions and the Niners. So I will ask you this question. Oh, we didn't answer the if the Ravens, if the, the, the Ravens blew in. Oh, did we? uh, well, they certainly did towards the end, for sure. Um, Zay Flowers making Key mistakes, very key mistakes. The first one being a big play turned into an immediate callback because he decided to taunt right in front of the guys. Like he basically got in the guy's face and taunted him while he was on the ground. Um, yeah, you don't do that. It's it's as simple as that. You just don't do it. And then when they got themselves back into position, I think it was that same drive, right? Uh, they got themselves back into position. He fumbles the ball and it gets recovered in the end zone and uh, by the Chiefs and that's when I knew the game was over it didn't matter what else was going to happen from there that's that was the game losing moment right there with those two that drive with those two Zay Flowers plays that is the moment the Baltimore Ravens lost that game and then, of course, Lamar Jackson throws into what triple coverage and and and, and yeah, that's the one I I can't get. It's like, dude, there's like three white jerseys down there and one of your guys. My, Don't throw there. My guy is is so desperate to get rid of this being uh, this. He's a running back that throws the ball. Into, uh, uh, narrative that in a key moment where he probably should have tr- tried running the ball, he lofts it into triple coverage. I'm pretty sure if you told a running back you'll be his only chance to throw in his NFL career and he could go down with a thousand percent completion percentage or no completion percentage, he wouldn't have thrown that ball. Mm-hmm. It, it, it's just your 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 NFL MVP, everybody. Yeah. Now we move on to the NFC Championship game. The Niners beat the Lions 34-31. Really simple question here, just one question. Did the Niners win it or did the Lions blow it? Well, this is a little more, a little. It's a little closer, but on the. I want to say the Lions blow it, but I'll say this: anyone criticizing Dan Campbell for making the choices he made clearly did not pay a damn bit of attention to a single thing he did this year, or any bit of his of, or listen to a single thing he said this year. He said he was going to coach aggressively, and that is what he did. You coach aggressively, and it got him to this point. Why in the world would you abandon that? He, it, it wasn't even a matter of being making a poor decision, right? It was a good play call that was not executed pro- properly. The, 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 the fourth down play that, that people say should have been a, a field goal that would have had this game in a tying uh, – the game would have quote unquote ended in a tie. Obviously it would not have ended in a tie. Um, Was just an incomplete pass to a wide open receiver. It was, it was a good call. And had he completed that, the entire narrative would be going, Oh yeah, beautiful. This guy's a genius, right? But because the quarterback and the receiver messed the play up in one way or another, or they got pressure. I can't remember the exact scenario, but the point is landed incomplete right out of his hand, right at the tip of his hands. Now Dan Campbell's an idiot and he made a bad call and he should have went for the points. This is the NFC title game. 
you do not win NFC, you do not win conference championships playing it safe. He didn't get to this point playing it safe. He literally told us to put our diapers on. So as far as I can tell, I don't have a damn problem with the calls Campbell made. Because he stuck to what got him there. Um, And did that lose them the game? Yes. But they didn't break their identity that got them to that point. They still had a chance. They still had every chance in the world to win that game. On the other side, you have Shanahan showing that he, too, can not, not only can he lose big, big games by a big margin, he can finally come back from being down in that margin. Um, prior to this season, prior to the Green Bay Packers game, he had not won a game in which he entered the fourth quarter down five points or more. That Packers game was the first one. <laughs> and then this one, they just come back from, what was it, 24 to 7? It was a 17-point deficit at halftime? Uh, yeah. And they hold them scoreless in the third quarter and, and, and tie that game back up. By the, end of, by the beginning of the fourth quarter, it's a brand new ball game. So it's it's definitely a little bit of both, but it, it it's I think it's more a little more so on the Niners because it, it's it's certainly not a Dan Campbell called the game put, put incorrectly type of thing, and and I will stand by that for to anyone criticizing him for making those plays because that's the same plays that won him twelve games in the regular season to get them here. Well, let me let I don't disagree with you. I really don't. But I heard this point that I don't know if I necessarily agree with, but I think it's an interesting angle to take this at. Mm-hmm. Previously, he had been like, okay, I'm rolling the dice, and he got people to buy in, right? This team was probably the most bought in of anyone, at least what was widely known in the NFL. Like those guys would ride into a brick wall with him, and he'd do the same thing for them. So it, it, but, but here's the thing: if he had kicked the field goal instead of going for instead of going for it on fourth down, I don't think anyone's opinion of him in that locker room would have changed. So it's not like okay, I have to do I have to roll the dice because if I don't, they're gonna look at me like, well, you said people we gonna do that, and then he didn't do it. What the hell, man? Those guys would do anything for him. Those guys bought in. They didn't have to get that. They're good at just taking the points. And you go okay. We'll roll from there. But you're also right. It's He literally warned everyone when he took the job. And he said this is how it's going to happen, and he doesn't regret it. Mm-hmm. And I respect that. Yeah, I, I really I, do. I, I, if I were him, I, I, would not, I would not regret it either. I mean, it, the, like I said, he, he, it was a good play call that just didn't get executed in one way or another. And you're not throwing the pass, you're calling the play. I can't remember the scenario for the other fourth down. I genuinely can't. I can't the, either. The one that, that one that stands out that obviously would at least have the game tied uh, in a tying position by the time the Lions scored that, that last touchdown. Um, obviously, we're still talking about here having six points total off the board such that those six points, you win the game by two. But you know, if he doesn't regret it, so be it. Right? Like, yeah. Mm. Yeah, I, I, I can't disagree with you at all. Uh, I cannot and don't. I, I really, I don't. I'll say this, though. If there, if, this, if there was an award for the most fun team to watch in the NFL, the Lions would win it. Mm-hmm. Hands down. Absolutely. If, if he doesn't win Coach of the Year, honestly, I'm going to be surprised. Well, that's going to Kevin Stefanski. I'm convinced of that. Now you said it. Now you made me sad. Well, guess You're what, Darren? Right. I'm sad too. So I'm gonna. If I'm down, I'm gonna bring someone else down with me. <laughs> you, you'll honestly, you, you'll. It, it wouldn't surprise me though. You, you'll. You're probably right. Bro goes through four quarterbacks and makes the playoffs 
every media guy is like salivating at that. They're like, <laughs> I cannot wait to vote for you, man. I cannot wait. That's the end. I'll answer that right now. We'll know when the NFL launders happen next week, but man, I can already tell you where that's I, going. I, I tell you. Or, obviously- or if it doesn't go to him, it'll go to the head coach of the Houston Texans, D'Amico Ryans. You know what? That's that's one I totally left out. That one I could I could see as well, and that one I would I would more so agree with. Yes. I would agree with that or Dan Campbell. If those are ones I'd be like, yes, but yeah, Stefanski act does actually have a case having gone through four quarterbacks and one of them coming off his couch to to take you there. Um, uh, obviously, we all know Jackson's getting the MVP. Uh, but damn it, McCaffrey better at least be getting offensive player of the year. I tell you what. <laughs> well, yeah. You know what's wild, though? I saw that. I saw the finalists. I don't think Raheem Mostert was even a finalist for offensive player of the year. What? I, if I recall properly. It was it was Tyreek Hill. Um, uh, they picked the wrong Christian dolphin, McCaffrey, right? Uh, Christian McCaffrey. Let's see. Off. Uh, let me uh, see. I'll, I'll double check, but I'm pretty sure he wasn't on that list. Uh, um. See. MVP, offensive player of the year finalist. Let's see. Where is the? Yeah, the Associated Press. Well, there's definitely a long, a larger list than three. But this says McCaffrey, Jackson, and Prescott are finalists for MVP and Offensive Player of the Year. But the oh, there we are. Uh, Tyreek Hill, C.D. Lamb, Prescott, McCaffrey, and Jackson are the Offensive Player of the Year finalists. And then. Uh, Brock Pody and Allen are the other two uh, MVP finalists. So yeah, mm-hmm. Mostert didn't even get an offensive player of the year nod, and he had just as many touchdowns as McCaffrey. <laughs> That's wrong. That's wrong. Like, what the hell? <laughs> and that's not to take away from Tyreek Hill. He uh, was on pace for most of the season to break the receiving yards record. Uh, he obviously did not, but he was on pace for the majority of the season um, and uh, and was just lighting it up. But I would have put Mostert up there over Hill. I mean, it's not easy to get 20-plus touchdowns as a running back. It, it isn't. Nope. All right. I told you it'd be a quick show today, and I was right. Mm-hmm. So we're all ready to what we learned this week, Derek. Can you believe that? Yeah. It's wild. I'll go first. Uh so I actually learned that up until like the 1950s and maybe the 60s in some instances, I, I'm not going to say this applies to everywhere in this country, but the mail was delivered twice a day. I did not know that. Hmm. I really didn't. And here's uh, this is the classic how I came about this information. I went to Clifton Forge, Virginia yesterday, and I was at the Chesapeake and Ohio Historical Society, and I got myself a book because every time I go in there, I get a book. Uh, it's on Chesapeake and Ohio local passenger trains, and it covers the well all the railroads local passenger trains mostly during the steam era. Because by the time the steam era ended, well, there's a reason they got rid of steam locomotives. Diesels were cheaper because they weren't making money from passenger trains anymore, even though they weren't making much money from them anyway, uh, because people were using their cars. So I started to go in here, and I was like, okay, let's just see, let's flip through here, and I did, and I came across the Trains for the Keeney's Creek branch, train number 188 and 189. These trains were discontinued in, 19, in uh, 1939. But uh, I had always been told by my dad that his dad, my grandfather, his job during the Depression was to take mail from the town of Winona, West Virginia, to meet the uh, CNO down there in Nuttleburg for mail to come out. Of course, most mail by that time went by rail. And I was looking at him like, Okay, that's weird. The Keeney's Creek Branch Line train carried mail. Why, why, like, what, what was the point of having my grandpa do his job if, if the mail was carried by train in the 1930s? Like, what, <laughs> what's the point of that? That's just redundant. And I looked it up, and I was trying to find a way to make it 
to make it work. And I actually looked like maybe it was delayed. Maybe it was done twice a day. The train only the local train only ran one one way, one time up and one time back down the branch. It didn't. Some some branches had like four sets of two sets of four trains. So up and down in the morning, up and down in the afternoon. But Keeney's Creek wasn't one of them, which is one. Uh, let's see. I got the book right here. Keeney's Creek. Left the Keeney's Creek at 11.30 a.m., got to look out at 12.22, left look out at 12.30, got back to Keeney's Creek at 1.20. So only, you know, within an hour, it was within two hours, it was done. So if you got the whole rest of the day for your mail to say, oh, I, you know, I missed the, I missed the train when I was filling out this letter. Oh, okay, I'll, whatever. whatever. The point is, I was like, how does this work? And then I figured out where it could have been for the evening run because there were local passenger trains on the main line as well that were mostly mail stops. They stopped at every station between where they, between their origin and their destination. And I'm thinking, okay, that explains it. He was taking the mail down to, well, from Winona to the, to the, for the main line passenger train. That's what I think, I think it is. But I didn't know at that point that mail had run twice a day. I'm like, that. I did not know that. So that's how I came about that information. And that's what I learned this week. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I never would have guessed that I would know that at this time, <laughs> nor would I have guessed the reason, but I was flipping through it and I was like, wait a minute here. Wait a minute. This isn't adding up. And I, <laughs> I believe my dad. I'm like, I'm not calling my dad a liar or anything, but it's like, wait a minute. Something's not adding up here. Mm-hmm. Two plus two doesn't equal fish. <laughs> um yeah that's wow <laughs> um my, mine is more of a a, a uh, something I expected to happen and I learned that it finally happened uh, on Monday uh during the the the, the last uh Olympics the 2020 Olympics Oh, that's no, sorry. The 2022 Winter Olympics. Uh, apologies. Um, the there was a ton of controversy uh, in which the Russian. Uh, let me see if I can remember how to pronounce her name. Kamia Valeva was uh, nice job. Busted for doping uh, in relation to, I guess, a test that they had ran or that they had collected in December prior. Uh, so not long before that, uh, before the act, the Olympics. Um, and the controversy was that they caught, or they announced that she had done it. Right. And at, they did not disqualify her from any of any of the remaining events that she had to compete in during these Olympics. Uh, and I can't remember the order of events in terms of like what she competed in first and then, the, and all of that. But uh, it was immediately after her, the first event that she competed in that they announced that. And I, and I don't remember if she had meddled in that event or not. Um, and then they announce it. She, they, they say she's not disqualified. She can still compete uh, in all of this stuff. She competes, and the Russian team uh, win gold as a, as a team for the event, uh, with the Americans and I believe the Japanese team uh, in third. So on Monday, it was announced that they were issuing her a retroactive four-year ban for this doping. Um, Meaning that any medal that she received during the 22 Olympics is void. And I believe the only one was the team event, but that meant that the Russians lost the lost 20 points from her uh, competing, and that dropped them from first to bronze. Um, one Ouch. point ahead of the Canadian team. Uh, so that means that the United States uh, ice skating team is n- are now 
Olympic gold medalists. In, that included uh, uh, Nathan Chin, who up to that point was one of the most uh, hyped uh, ice, male ice skaters coming into those Olympics. And of course, he, he came out with, uh, uh, he was already had a gold, I think. So now I guess that gives him two, if I recall. So here's, uh, my, here's my question. How does this work? Are they just gonna like re? Are they gonna remake medals to send to the U.S. Olympians? To are they gonna make to them? Take... Are they gonna are they gonna make them return their other medals and like? Okay, now you're you know how? I, I don't know how it occurs in terms of in terms of um. I guess they would have to collect the medals from. I I don't I don't know exactly because obviously, if I go to try to collect them from somebody. Uh, I I can't imagine there's going to be much cooperation. And I wouldn't I think. Wouldn't imagine that there's much that could be done legally in that regard. No. So my, part of me wants to say they're just going to make new ones. Now I would imagine for the Americans and the uh the Japanese, they will just they would just send them in and then they would give them their new ones because they get an upgrade, right? I think that right. would be less. Now, the Russians, obviously, they probably just like, whatever, your, your bronze medalists suck it. Um, <laughs> and now what is hilarious in this regard is that in, in classic social media fashion, any, uh, the anything Team US, because I follow Team USA and things on Instagram and, and various other uh, sure. Olympic-related uh, pages, um, as soon as these announcements were happening, now Team USA did not hesitate to start making their Instagram posts for each individual team member and, and group, um, because obviously those payers, ice skating and all that, and announcing that they are now gold medalists or now multi-time gold medalists or whatever. And that I found to be petty as hell, and I love it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and then uh, in the last thing, it they all ended up having an interview on I guess uh, the Good Morning America or something like that. I can't remember. Today's show probably because NBC today, has the yeah, Olympics. Today's show. That would pro- that's probably it. And uh, on the Team USA Instagram, it was filled, and I shit you not, 90% of presumably Russian Instagram bots spamming in Russian you can't be proud of what you didn't own or, or, or the Russians or the true winners or blah, blah, things of that sort. Anything to pretty much go with, yeah, the Americans didn't own that or something. Uh, it's like, well, they kind of did. Your team doped, which is not uncommon in the Russian Olympics, uh, Olympic teams. Every damn year. And I hate to say that, but it's true. It is absolutely, without a doubt, true. Every damn year, regardless of the Olympics, uh, whether it's summer or winter, multiple Russian athletes are caught doping. And I have and to, I, I don't mean to talk bad about figure skating because obviously I could never do it. Like, I'm not that coordinated and I'm certainly not that talented. But of all sports to dope in, yeah, fucking and, figure skating. And, and I don't remember what it was specifically that she had, uh, had taken and I think if I recall properly everything that led up to that was that she didn't do it knowingly it was likely and this is not an uncommon thing again with especially the younger athletes and younger Russian athletes where the coaches dope them without them knowing and things of that sort if I recall properly she was doped unknowingly nevertheless she, oh, she didn't meddle as an individual. Um, I'm like reading through the uh, the article to see if it tells me uh, exactly what it was. Um, but the point was, I do believe during that point it was discovered, like during the actual Olympics, it was discovered that she didn't knowingly do it. Nevertheless, that doesn't make it okay, right? And and um, and the vitriol that that had occurred towards her was also not okay. That I recall, where it was just like. While she was out competing and allowed to compete, she competed, and like everyone had pretty much given her like "you piece of shit" type looks. I'm like, come on now, like yeah, my goodness, like 
especially if she didn't do, if she didn't knowingly do it. Right, like it, but it, she's if she also didn't... like eight, like sixteen or seventeen at that point. Like, what the hell? Yeah, really. But like, even if she did cheat, like you still sixteen or seventeen, that's some decency. Yeah. Um. Let's see. Something about a I can't remember the class of protected person exemption, but it didn't fall for her. And uh, for in terms of regulations, uh, I'd have to look for a more in-depth article um, to find exactly what it was that she had had been tested for. Uh, but I remember, I remember it being something that just seemed like even more so. Like really, this was the problem. You 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 risked or your coach risked your career and and your your competition over something this trivial, albeit illegal in the eyes of the Olympics. Like what the hell? Uh, but I'll have to look it up again to to find exactly what it is because this article that I had sent to you in Messenger as a safe keep uh, does not explain it. <laughs> hmm. Isn't that how it goes sometimes? Mm-hmm. I actually have an open messenger. Nope, there's a... Uh... Okay. Yeah, yep, I'd send nope. it on Monday when I find found it. Ah, most time yeah, when I send it. them, most time that's when I it. send them, I send them just to keep as a, as as a way to be get back to them. <laughs> that okay? Yeah, I wonder what that was. I I remember <clears> that now. I saw it, and I was like, okay, I'll read it, and then I never got back. <laughs> so yeah, that's that's on me. But that also is the end of our show. Uh, so we'll be back next week. We'll have our big game preview, and we'll go into what the NFL awards are because someone's going to get shafted in that awards ceremony. Mm-hmm. It always happens. At least once, <clears throat> someone's going to get shafted. We know Jackson's going to win MVP. We know, you know, whatever. But someone's getting shafted in that awards ceremony. The question is what? TJ Watt better win the Defensive Player of the Year again. Oh, I uh, agree. I agree. So if he doesn't, we riot. Uh, we will be back to talk about all that. And whatever the hell else comes down the pipeline is, uh, well, we're at the end of football season. And when you know it, baseball season's right around the corner. The Dodgers, actually, because they're playing in the Korea series against the Padres, they open up on – they open up a week, a week from tomorrow, actually. It's when, they're, it's when they're pitched and catches report. Everyone else is like two or three days later, but still, like, before the game, before the football game, there's going to be pitchers and catchers in spring training. Uh, I, I uh, yeah, I literally just think that we that I feel like we just got to, got through with the World Series. Like it, it is, it's you're not wrong. Like, it's almost like like um, NASCAR in a way to me, where it's like which starts this weekend. As, as soon as they end, it feels like they're they're right back. Like you don't even get a time to think about the fact that they're not there anymore. Whereas football, it's like it's, it's basically you know it's four or five months of. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Where's the football? <laughs> yeah, really? <laughs> and then your team sucks and you lose all your motivation for doing it. It's like, okay, this is awful. I don't want to do this anymore. Oh, uh, <gasps> trimetazine was ah. the was the drug that it, it's banned in. It's a banned substance for the Olympics, but it's it's a medicine primarily used to prevent angina attacks. Um, uh, and for those unaware of angina, it's sudden chest pains, uh, and and jaw and back pains related to physical effort. Ugh. Um, so it reduces it due to reduced blood flow to the heart. So it. What uh, you're saying is I shouldn't take it. <laughs> uh, yeah, <laughs> uh, and it, it's uh commonly associated with angina is commonly associated with narrowing of the blood vessels that supply the heart. So, yeah, I definitely shouldn't take so that. So the medicine would be for increased blood flow, which right. in, increased blood flow would then technically stand to increase uh, metabolism and you know blood oxygen or, and, and, and things of that sort. So in, in, a, in a sport that requires some endurance, I can see where that uh, could cause problems. <laughs> I can't. Yeah, it, when you add it up like that, I get it. Yeah, but, 
but yeah, it, it just it's like really, come on, um, just, just wild. Yeah, TMZ. That's what it was referred to consistently when we were, uh, when we were talking about it. That's why I couldn't remember the exact name. And every time uh, I thought TMZ, I was like, no, this isn't the seem mostly effectively satire news source that tends to always be the first ones to report celebrity deaths. Uh, but <laughs> yeah, no, that so that's it. I watched this, speaking of TMZ, I watched the show. It came on after America's Most Wanted, which I actually forgot to watch this past weekend, this past Monday. Damn it. Um, I don't even remember what I was doing on Monday that prevented me from doing that. I truly don't even remember anymore. Anyway, um, I was uh, I was watching, uh, it was, uh, Fox has like a, their Monday night lineup. Eight o'clock is America's <clears throat> Most Wanted, and then at nine o'clock is... Um, uh, TMZ reports, and they were doing all thing about celebrity stalkers, like people who stalk celebrities, and uh, like I watched it because I was curious as to like what the format would be, how they would present it, and they were like, oh, they 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 presented stories, and I expect them to tell stories of celebrity stalking, but they were like. And how it's being addressed, and they never once talked about how it was being addressed. And I'm like, what do you know? TMZ left me on again. For it to be hard journalists, and they're not hard journalists. Hmm. Like, I'm more of a hard journalist than you are. <laughs> I forgot what they were talking about this week. I'll have to go back and look at it. I, I need to go back. I wanted to, go, I wanted to watch America's Most Wanted because I'm like, man, I like that show. But, oh well. Anyway, barring anything else, that is our podcast. We shall return with Season 4, Episode 28 of this podcast, recapping the NFL season and crowning a champion. We will do that in two weeks. We will talk about the game next week. So, until then, everyone, thanks for listening. Darren, take us home. Adios, everybody.